Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You are listening to Red Carpet Rendezvous with your host, Lauren Conlon. Hey guys, and welcome to Red Carpet Rendezvous. I'm your host, Lauren Conlin, and um, today I have a really special guest. Um, And you know, I don't want to put the pressure on him, but um, I do have another friend in radio named Brad Blanks, and um, he is like a fan favorite for this podcast. Oh my. Yes, so he's a fan favorite. But today I have Frank Morano, who is another huge radio personality and one of my good friends. Um, So no pressure, Frank. Well, if it requires me to do this in an Australian accent, I'm willing willing to try. Uh, Trust me, I learned long ago that nobody can compete with Brad when it comes to being energetic and entertaining. Well, I mean, you come pretty close. I will say that. Um, but but yeah, you guys you guys actually worked together back in the day. Well, we worked on the same floor. We never worked at the same station technically, but we had we had the same company sign our checks. I worked at WABC and he worked at WPLJ, both of which were owned by Disney at the time. Uh, I'm back at WABC now, no longer owned by Disney, and WPLJ is now defunct and he's doing great stuff brad is over at uh, cbs fm yeah that's a lot of w's i got a little lost for a second mm-hmm. um but i'm but i'm back with you so so let's let's talk about you because you were just at am 970 um you had a show there morano in the morning and you're actually still going to have that show um i think it starts in two weeks if i'm not mistaken uh, yeah it's uh starting august 3rd uh, it's gonna be the plan is anyway and i've learned in radio that uh, things can change you know like that but the plan is for me to be on every morning from 1 a.m to 5 a.m on wabc 770 a.m in and new york for those of us that are sleeping during that time um which is probably a lot of us we can catch it on a podcast <laughs> am i right or... yes but it's gonna you can listen on the podcast okay but it's one of those shows that's very much designed to be consumed at night we're gonna do a lot of really special night stuff Ooh, yeah. yeah like what well you know like i'm planning to have a karen's panel of Karens come in once a week Stop. just to analyze all the Karen-related news. That's amazing. And, and so that's not the kind of thing we would do in the middle of the day. Right? Okay. Uh, and sure. y- 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 different kind of stuff like stuff like that. But like not like Howard Sternish or anything, right? No. Like it's not... Um, you know, I, I think we'll keep it... Uh, you know, we'll keep it... PG-13. Uh, yeah, maybe... <laughs> But PG-13 is probably a good level. Wait, Maybe. I love the Karens panel. Yeah, That's among genius. Other things. We, you know, when when you're on on the radio in the morning, and I'm lucky enough to be able to fill in uh, on the morning show, Bern, the Bernie and Sid show on WABC, the, the, you really have to kind of stay focused on the news of the day. At night, by and large, unless there's breaking news, people already know the news of the day. They're not relying upon you to inform them, so you can kind of have some latitude to right. to talk about uh, Bigfoot, to talk about the mob, to talk about... They want to be entertained, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm, you know, okay. as, as our boss, John Katsimatidi, says, that's the time of day where uh, people like to let their 
mind wander. Interesting. But now you're also going to have um, a show on Sunday nights from 7 to 9. So what is what is that going to entail then? I, I, you know what? I, I am currently recording this podcast with you instead of figuring out exactly what that show is going to entail. That's very much on my agenda today. Trust okay. Me. Okay. Know. As got soon as it. I figure it out, I will let you know. Okay. Well, I can't wait. So Frank and I met earlier this year um, on Liquid Lunch. Well, which, last year, right? Did we oh, I guess year? it was last year. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I, I guess. Yeah. So um, Frank was the co-host of the show Liquid Lunch that was on Newsmax and the studio was downtown. And um I went in and I I met him and and he you know I think I I told you it took me like a week or two to really like you I yeah. guess I mean I, I'm you, still not there in terms of liking you so <laughs> oh wow okay I so well that. no so you but then I you did this thing you you kind of challenge people which I really like and I really appreciate um it's it's I think it's what makes you you and it it's kind of what makes you successful I guess um and you certainly challenged me and I you know I think I learned a lot from you as well just on a serious note oh, se- being well, that's, serious that's very yeah. kind of you yeah. honestly yeah uh, i do listen to the podcast regularly i've had the good fortune of interviewing you on the radio a couple <laughs> times and on television many times and uh, i am as much as i give you a hard time a big fan of your work and a big fan of you personally as well that's nice but enough of this okay yes. enough of this shit um yeah, us ahead, being nice. enough of us being nice to each other yeah. so so okay let's just like get down to it because I think oh okay so he just flung a bracelet at me um just so you guys know the dynamic here but um so I I want to talk about your connection with the Gaudis and mm-hmm. with um I guess with the mob is that do people still call it the mob is that like just two Sopranos ish or what like no I mean you know what I think the 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 mob uh, you know as people think of it, it it really is not as uh prevalent as uh, as it was say 20 30 40 years ago but there's still plenty of people that that call it the mob but yeah I'm all yours what questions so, can I answer for you So okay so first of all how did you meet the Gaudis and how do you even know them in the first place Well it's funny I was uh, producing a uh, the morning show at WABC about 15 or 16 years ago when um, and it was the morning show was hosted by Curtis Lewa and Ron Kuby Now Curtis Lewa was shot in uh, Well 19- people d- might not know who Curtis Lewa is right, so, so- he- well, he's a radio talk show host. He also happens to be the founder and president of the Guardian Angels. And he was shot in uh, June of 1992 in the back of a taxi cab. And he insisted for many years, and nobody really believed him, that this was done by organized crime. Specifically, he claimed that it was John Gotti Sr. and John Gotti Jr. who had ordered his, his shooting. It just so happened his partner at the time, Ron Kuby, was and is a very accomplished defense attorney and civil liberties attorney who had actually represented John Gotti Sr. and had done some legal work for different organized crime figures. So it was an interesting dynamic. And what happened in 2004 is John Gotti Jr. was, while he was sitting in prison, he was indicted for ordering Curtis's assault. So the two of them are co-hosting this radio show together, and they have a very unique perspective. Curtis, uh, a victim and potentially a witness in the case. Ron, a legal uh, expert and also someone who has connections to the people that were supposedly, um, that was supposedly behind this shooting. So... 
By the time John uh, Gotti Jr.'s trial started in uh, August of 2005 or the summer of 2005, you had a situation where neither Curtis nor Ron was able to go to court on a daily basis. Curtis, because he was a witness in the case and Mm. he couldn't really be there to tailor his testimony to what the other people were saying. And Ron, because he was busy running a law practice when he wasn't on the radio. So they said, all right, why don't we send our producer, Frank, down to the courtroom to watch and observe what's happening and talk about it on the radio. Now, while now I consider myself a pretty seasoned observer of the federal criminal justice system and mob trials in particular, at this point, I knew almost nothing about the case. I knew almost nothing about how federal criminal trials work. Nothing at all. Yeah. But, so I would go there and then I would talk on the radio the next day with C- Curtis and Ron. And our show was the only show that everybody in the courtroom was listening to. The defense, uh, the defendants were listening. Their lawyers were listening. The prosecutors were listening. The FBI, uh, all the other so journalists wait, were listening. So wait, you were informing Curtis basically about his own trial every day? Well, it wasn't his trial. It was John Gotti Jr.'s trial. But it kind of was about him. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. I mean, right. You were so, informing him about yeah, this. Yeah, so okay. I would do, do sort of color comments. Commentary. And the newspapers back then were all covering this trial, uh, you know, at, at length. So they didn't really need me for the facts of the case. So I would talk a little bit more about the behind the scenes action, which lawyer was falling asleep, um, <laughs> which yeah. which uh, paralegal was bringing John Gotti Jr. Pop-Tarts, um, <laughs> which, um, you know, which uh, jurors looked as if they didn't get along with the other jurors. Uh, okay. Really not heavily focused on the facts of the case. A lot of stuff, you know, the, the kind of the more fun. The aspect. gossip stuff, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Right? And then um, lo and behold, this was an eight week trial. And um, when you spend every day with people for eight weeks, you kind of get to know them. So that was the case with me and many of the lawyers. That was the case with me. And one of there were three defendants in that trial. One of the defendants was out on bail so he could come to the cafeteria and have lunch. John Gotti at that point was not out on bail, so he couldn't. You know, I didn't interact with him much at that trial, but um, sitting behind me every day would generally be John's mother, Victoria, Victoria Gotti Sr., the widow of Mm -hmm. John Gotti, and John's sister, Angel. They were there just about every day. And, you know, you see people in the elevator in the cafeteria line and you start to get along. And keep in mind, they're listening to me every day because as much as they dislike Curtis, they love Kubi, right? So I start out kind of neutral in the Gotti book. And then um, we would see each other every day for uh, eight weeks. And then I'll be honest with you, in seeing throughout the course of the trial how dishonest the federal government is and how much the federal government is willing to cheat mm. in in order to get a conviction you know it's it's really not hard to see and it's quite frustrating that there are so many that there are so few media outlets that are willing to call out the federal government for their shenanigans so i uh, would give a, a take on the news of the day trial wise mm-hmm. that gradually became increasingly pro-defense. And at the same time, Hmm. uh, I end up, you know, in the cafeteria having lunch with Angel and Victoria Gotti, you know, eventually just about every day, two or three days a week. But aren't you like friendlier with Curtis at this point? Yeah, but I'm also friendlier with Kubi, friendly with Kubi. So I'm I'm kind of neutral. So Curtis, is he not kind of getting annoyed that you're sort of taking the other side with this? Keep in mind, you know, he might be getting annoyed, but he had a partner at the time on the radio 
that represented his mortal enemy, John Gotti Sr., right? And but is, he's, like, sure that they shot him. He's, like, so sure about this. Well, so then, uh, so first of all, if it was as open and shut a case as Curtis makes it sound like, then you would have think you would have thought that they would have had no problem charging John with ordering his shooting back back in 1992 or 1993 not in the year 2004 okay evidence very rarely improves over the course of 12 years so um and so people can draw their own conclusions on the shooting and maybe one day we'll do a a podcast just about that in the future but so anyway (laughs) that trial ends in a hung jury there's a mistrial so um that means the nice thing is we get to do it again so uh (laughs) john chooses a new lawyer at this time for a second trial happens to be a lawyer I was very friendly with and then that that trial ends in a hung jury a mistrial so then wow. there's a third trial and yeah folks guessed it that ends in a hung jury and that's a mistrial so throughout the course of uh you know two and a half years there were three trials one, the first one was 8 weeks the other ones were between 4 and 6 weeks mm. and you just keep in mind that you know you're spending every day with these people, and I found the Gaudis uh, incredibly, incredibly charming, incredibly kind. And even though it would have been very easy for us not to be friends, given where I came from and where they came from, we really hit it off um, almost from the get-go. And in trials two and three, John Gotti Jr. was out on bail, so he'd be able to come down to the cafeteria and have lunch, and we would hang out. And I found him to be an incredible storyteller. And a guy that was motivated primarily, you know, just by wanting to take care of his kids. Then after that third trial, after that hmm. third trial, Lauren, uh, there's another hung jury and the federal government says, all right, we're done. We're not trying this case again. Well, lo okay. and behold, federal prosecutors uh, do what they so often do. They lied. Uh, <laughs> about a year and a half later, they charge John again with essentially the same crimes for a fourth trial, uh, this time in 2009. So over the course of five years, there were four trials that we, we all spent months together. And when you spend time like that with someone in close quarters, you kind of get to know them. Okay. So throughout all this, you remain friends with Curtis. I just want to clarify well, I that. always worked with Curtis. Curtis, um, I think I'm as close a friend to Curtis as Curtis can have. Curtis does not really have friends. He does not experience the full spectrum of human emotions. Mm. Uh, Curtis, uh, so Curtis and I, very good professional associates, but Curtis doesn't, like, um, like you or I would, he won't, in the middle of the afternoon, um, go to have lunch with an old friend just to catch up with right him. that's so but you not don't Curtis's think he holds style. like a grudge that you so obviously no. took the other no. side and even th- though he was shot in the legs no well, no well he was shot in the stomach whatever right? okay um, but um it, it, i think curtis to his credit is somebody that loves more than anything putting on a good show uh and in general and Mm -hmm. in particular a good radio show so if there's a natural tension that can exist between the two of us coming at things from a different perspective curtis absolutely loves that and if it causes him or his radio show to get even more attention he loves it even more i will tell you in trials two and three Mm -hmm. when ron kuby 
testified as a defense witness yeah. while he was Curtis's partner. Curtis did have a bit of a problem with that. Um, I mean, I'm, right. there's only so much damage I can do sitting there and observing on the radio. He viewed Ron's testimony, I think, as a bit more of a betrayal. But ultimately, what could Ron have done? He was subpoenaed and he had to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. So so you became friends with the Gottis and so much so that you were invited to John Gotti Jr.'s wedding. No, uh, John Gotti Jr. was married uh, back in the um, back in the late 80s. So okay. I was never invited to his wedding. Uh, I, w- the, but I, w- during all this um, time, years later, talking yeah. maybe 2015 or so, um, Victoria Gotti, the younger, this is the reality star, the yes. uh, blonde. Um, I love how author. Italians name their daughters like the same as them. That's so weird well, to me. It's like, actually I... pretty rare. Usually, like in my family, yeah. you name it after your grandmother, right? Oh. Um, but what happened with Victoria Sr. and Victoria, you know, Victoria the Younger was actually pretty interesting. Victoria the Younger was supposed to be named Kimberly um, because remember, Victoria the Younger is not John and Victoria's oldest daughter, Angel is. Mm. So if they were going to name their oldest daughter after her, they would have named their oldest. But um, Victoria the Younger was supposed to be named Kimberly and um, Victoria Sr., while she was in labor, her, she was in so much pain and delirious that the nurse asked her what the baby's name was after she was born. Yeah. And um, Victoria thought the nurse was asking what her own name was. And she said Victoria. So they put down on the birth certificate. And they just kept Victoria. it. They never actually decided to change it. They put it on to the birth Kimberly. certificate. And that's what it was. That's so like I would totally change it if I really cared but I guess they didn't really care so um yeah. but so Victoria's son who was also a reality star in his own right uh he got married and um he, I was not invited to his wedding and it was this wedding was three days of tabloid headlines it was all over the daily news in yeah. the New York post and page six so I'm on the radio on at this point on, on am 970 I'm on Sunday mornings at the time and I'm going on and on one Sunday morning about how, you know, this wedding looks like this was a lot of fun. And even more so than being a lot of fun, it looks like there was a lot of drama here. And it looks like there's a lot of press attention. I said, you know, as the only radio talk show host that goes and defends the Gaudis, as the only radio talk show host that sticks up for Victoria, that sticks up for her sons, mm-hmm. you would think that I would have been invited to this wedding. <laughs> and that I assure you, when it came time to send out invitations and then I would play crickets, I wasn't invited. Lo and behold, two two weeks after that, after I make this big deal whining about yeah. it, I wasn't invited to Victoria's son's wedding, I get a, a, a message from Victoria's sister, Angel. She tells me, her son Frankie is getting invi- is getting married, and I, I've known Frankie over the years. He's a great guy, and she, mm. even though it's last minute, yeah, she wants to invite me to the wedding. So, oh, I, I kind of so felt, funny. I kind of felt like I was a, a last minute slip in. Sorry, I'm so sorry. That's so annoying. Can I edit that yeah, out? Yeah, sure. Okay, sorry. So Angel invites me to her son's wedding. I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a last minute slip in okay. because I had whined about not being invited to Victoria's No, son's but that's wedding. so fun. So, she didn't have to. No, exactly. I mean, she, she totally didn't have She's to. She's one of the nicest people <laughs> yeah. that you've, you will, you'll ever meet. And um, so um, I, be, even though I normally would not go anywhere on, um, on a Saturday night, um, because I'm, I have a 1.30 a.m. wake up on Sundays at this point. Yeah. Uh, I went to the wedding 
and I ended up uh, bringing a coworker who was um, uh, who I was casually romantically involved with at the time, a former coworker. And uh, we go to the wedding, and long story short, my coworker gets falling down drunk and um, curses at and insults John Gotti Jr.'s mother. Victoria? No. Um, the, her, uh, oh, Josephine. her mother. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes. And this is what you guys can find in the post um, because this story made the New York Post about your date at the Gotti wedding. Because uh, I read that. It's one of many times that I have made the uh, made the gossip pages for something that's not necessarily positive. <laughs> about you it was about your date exactly so, yeah. and you were actually a gentleman you didn't give her name up that's right so that's right. so that that is um yeah that is very stand-up of you so did you uh watch the john travolta movie about the Gaudis? or I, I not only um did i watch it but john was kind enough to invite me to a a private screening uh for family and friends and then we had this uh, big party afterwards um where I got to meet uh, John Travolta and Kelly Preston. Oh, nice. Because yeah. she was in it too. Yeah, she yeah. plays Victoria Gotti Sr. Yeah, yeah so I'm going to be honest. I actually only got through like 10 to 20 minutes of that. I did not like that movie. So you didn't like it? It was Well, well I, I didn't finish it. I didn't you, give it much of a chance because I thought it was not good. So um, tell me what you didn't like about it. I mean, I honestly, I always say give a movie 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then if, you know, or a show, whatever, if you don't like it, turn it off. I just, it wasn't interesting. It was boring and John Travolta looked weird. I was yeah. like, what's going on? I don't know. I thought Travolta um, did a pretty good job and I thought Kelly Preston did a pretty good job. I um, I don't think the movie was great. I don't think anybody can honestly say that it was great. I really do not think it was nearly as bad as all of the critics say. Uh, yeah, I thought it, had, it was. Uh, really, <laughs> so uh, in my opinion, right, I thought it had a terrific soundtrack. I thought um, I thought John and Victoria in the lead roles were very, very good. And I think it's such an incredible story. Um, mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell if I because because I knew the story so well that I came at it at a bit different perspective. There is a terrific mm. documentary series, uh, the miniseries on A&E, which tells a similar story, which I think is a bit better. Uh, and what's thing, that called? It's called Gotti Godfather and Son. It's directed by my friend Richard Stratton, who I met at the fourth Gotti trial, who's terrific. But um, so I do recommend that if people are interested in learning more of the story. The things I thought lacking in that film were the actor that played John Gotti Jr. Mm-hmm. I didn't think one, he doesn't look anything like John. But two, uh, I don't think he was very convincing or compelling in that role. And that's a pretty important role. Also, the thing that I didn't like about it in terms of production value was you could tell that a lot of these scenes were shot on a budget. So you'd watch these scenes um, in a bar or in a courtroom, and you're supposed to see a big room crowded with people, and it looks like there's only a handful of people. So stuff like that Ah. made it look a little cheap. So did they blow their wad on Travolta and Uh, Kelly, basically? Because you'd think that it shouldn't be that low budget. You you know, the, the story behind the making of that film is a fascinating one. It took seven years uh, to make, about, um, from the time it was conceived until the end. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure uh, exactly why, you know, production-wise and in terms of revenue-wise, it turned out the way that it did. But uh, yeah. I still don't think it's as bad as, as everybody as everybody says. So but do you like think, that that though, do you cheap. think I should finish it? I I would say watch the documentary series first. Okay. And then if you find yourself hooked and wanting to see more then uh i think you'll you'll appreciate the motion picture even more 
Okay. All right. That's fine. I mean, there's a lot of things to watch right now or that I, I feel like I want to watch more than that. But, you know, I like you said, it's an interesting story and that stuff always pulls me in. The so. other problem I had with that film, and this is true with a lot of historical dramas, and that is a historical drama, is they're essentially condensing 44 years of pretty detailed history into 80 minutes. And yeah. it's very difficult to um it's very difficult to adequately tell a story of that magnitude with the resonance that it needs to be told in that amount of time. I will say I don't know, you know, the 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 parts of the film that deal with um the death of John and Victoria's son Frankie um as a as a as a boy being being killed in the street. Yeah. I don't know how you can watch those scenes and not really, really um, be moved. And I've seen mm-hmm. this scene depicted a number of times in the Armand Asante film, Gotti, and in a number of other movies they've made about uh, the Gottis over the years. And I thought yeah. that this version of events was uh, not only one of the more accurate ones, but one of the more moving. So okay. it's never going to be considered a great film, yeah. but I think it has uh, well, its moments. That's actually really important to know. So that that's good that you highlighted that because um, yeah. that's that's yeah that's but people should pretty watch serious it and make their own judgments. Okay, so you know what I'm gonna put it on my list. It's probably like go. tenth on my All list right, right okay, now. Okay, so fair. I'll I'll get to it, and it's probably only like four or five bucks by now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm half kidding, but um, but no. So so what do we have to look forward to, Frank? Besides your overnight, besides your Sunday night show, I mean, like what what is your your dream? Like, well, what is your Frank Morano's dream? Honestly, um, the, the only thing I've ever wanted to do was be on the radio in New York every day uh, on on this station, the station that I'm on now at WABC. So uh, I would say that um, that I've achieved it. I mean, uh, there is a big part of me mm-hmm. as Staten Island's favorite son that's uh, always wanted to be Staten Island Borough president. So I could certainly <laughs> see a scenario where perhaps I would run for that one day. But um, beyond that, uh, honestly, I couldn't think of anything else professionally that I'd want to do. That's really cool. Thank I you. like that. Yes. Yeah, I know you're welcome. And why did they call you Frankie Fiberos? So uh, I, that is a uh, nickname that has been adopted by others, uh, mm. but was coined by Joe Piscopo. And uh, <laughs> Joe, I think he did so, it was sort of an homage to the character of Frankie Five Angels in The Godfather Part Two. Okay. Um, and he liked the alliteration, uh, but because of my love of New York City and my fondness for New York City and my insistence that I would never leave New York City, uh, it, it sort of fit. Yeah. So that's that's kind of it. And, uh, and But everywhere I go, I have not once ever referred to myself as Frankie Five Burrows. Not once. But I've heard a lot of people, people refer call, to you as that. That's it, why. I'm like, wait. <laughs> all the time. All the time. I like it, though. It has a nice ring to uh, it. Hey, I'll take it. I've been called worse. That's for sure. <laughs> well, Frank, thanks so much for being here with me. Um, it's always a pleasure. And um, I wish I could say the same. Yeah, you're so funny too. Such a comedian. Um, but yeah, I think um everybody should tune into Frank's show. He's very entertaining. And again, tell us when your overnight starts. So, um, you can hear me every Sunday nights, uh, Sunday night uh, from seven to nine p.m. either on the radio. I was trying to explain to you that there was such a thing as AM radio earlier. <laughs> was uh, I thought I, I thought I, I smelled I thought smoke. only Sirius existed, right. but anyway, uh, which is so disappointing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm and kidding. And then uh, so I'm every Sunday night from seven to nine p.m. 
And then beginning August 3rd, I'll be on every Monday through Friday from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. So for anybody that works late nights, for anybody that gets up early, or for anybody that can't sleep, I will do whatever I can to put you to sleep. Okay, Frank Morano. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Red Carpet Rendezvous. Until next time. Until next time.